Okay, can we, uh, if you have your Bible, can you turn to 1 John 1? We'll read a couple of verses there. I like to, whatever I say, grounded in the Word, and then you can't argue with me. You have to argue with God. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard and proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things to you so that our joy may be complete. So I was thinking, uh, what, do you, what do you give, what kind of heading do you give to a sermon like this that I have to just bring some, some points on, on Christmas? And I first thought, who, who stole Christmas? <laughs> but I feel, I feel, I feel I'd rather give a a heading more like redeeming Christmas. Because I think my friend said it well. I spoke to a friend of mine about a week and a half, two weeks ago, and I, we were just chatting about this time ahead. And he said to me the following words, I have the most incredible memories of Christmas. Everything um, in our family, our best holidays, our best times together was around Christmas. And then the church spoiled it for me. Exactly what Nikki was talking about. It le he said it left me feeling guilty because I felt I wanted to still have that same family time with my kids. But then I threw my tree away and I threw my lights away. And, and Later years, I brought it back, and I had to buy the lights at a much higher price than the tree at a higher price to get it back again. <laughs> but, but he said, whenever he felt, whenever they were handing out presents, he kind of felt guilty, and he was scared somebody else in the church would pop in there and see the trees and, 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 uh, and the tree and the gifts, and then maybe they will judge him. And that's exactly the dilemma we're sitting with, is that we are so opinionated in this time we're living in, that we actually force our opinions onto other people. And I'm going to read the scripture that's going to redeem the one that Nikki referred to. <laughs> it says, this is what it says in, in Colossians. Therefore, let no man pass judgment uh, on you in question of food and drink or with regard to festival or new moon or Sabbath. These are shadow of things to come, but the substance, the substance belongs to Christ. We tend to argue about the irrelevant thing, the gray areas. We argue and we make as if that's the important thing. And I want you not to hear what I'm not saying tonight. I want you to hear this clearly that if you have a conviction for some other reason, and I want to make sure that you have a conviction, I'm, I don't want you to be under a law. If you have a conviction 
that you should not be celebrating Christmas in a certain way, then please feel free not to celebrate it. But if you have a conviction to celebrate the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ, then please feel free to do that. And I want you, really, I'm asking you to be that free, to be that mature, that if you have a conviction not to, and you walk into a friend's house and you see a tree with some presents, then I'm asking you not to sin by judging. Because when you say, you know what, I don't do that, you're judging. And that's a sin. I'm reminded of um, uh, Kala, who leads uh, Salambosh. Kala shared a beautiful thing. He said that his, and his wife is Japanese, for, 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 for those who don't know, and Kala is as Afrikaner as you can get. So what they do, when, when, they were, when they're in Japan over Christmas time, and they have, Japan's got lights and the music, and you just hear all I want for Christmas, and, and, and chestnuts roasting on open fire, but they haven't got a clue what Christmas is about. So Kala and his wife will get on a train, and she taught him, in Japanese, a line that says, so what is Christmas about? And then she explains to him in the train what Christmas is about. And then all the Japanese sit and listen. And that's a very sneaky outreach. And then when they stop at the next stop and she's done, they get off, they get on the next train, and he asked again, what the meaning of Christmas? <laughs> But, but, but can you see is that they, they understand the value of using the moment to glorify God. So let me go back to, to what I've read. It's important that we don't miss the true meaning of Christmas in the, in the midst of our arguments with one another. Because you're allowed to have an opinion. There are certain, certain things we don't compromise on. But in, in the gray areas, you're, if you have a conviction, and, and like I say, it's, it's got to be a conviction because I have found that people will tell me that they don't celebrate Christmas for two reasons. One, because it has, a, has pagan origin, or two, because it's not the correct date. And, and when I ask them, so what proof do you have? They will normally reference one or other big name, one or other theological teacher. They don't reference the actual content. They will say, but so-and-so said. Then you don't have a conviction. You've been told not to celebrate it. And where I grew up, in the little community in the Strand, we had a saying, Yes, say any for money. So I went to find out for myself. The problem is, my friend was left with guilt when he actually did something to remember the times he had family times. And there's nothing wrong with having good family times. Then why have guilt about it? So, just a couple of stuff. 
I've said it here before, and I want you to, 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 re, I want to remind you of it again. Yes, I think Lee has mentioned it, that some of the office parties are going to go ballistic. I don't want you to lead, like to, I would say, I'm not going to be drunk at an office party. Maybe at, no, no, no. <laughs> don't get drunk at an office party. <laughs> um, but, but, you know what? There are people that are abusing the, the, the celebration of Christmas. But the correct response to abuse is not non-use. It's correct use. And therefore, we need to look and see what are we free to do and what shouldn't we get involved in. And I haven't got time to go into all of that. So I'm just going to say, Instead of getting worked up about stuff that you have no inf real concrete information about, instead of getting worked up about that, rather use the moment to inform those who don't know, like Kala and his wife, to inform those who don't know around you what Christmas is really about. Um, Kala also shared a testimony where he said two two couples were sitting and they were believers, they're Christians, and, and there was another unsaved couple with these two couples. And, and this unsaved couple was like quite withdrawn and in the end they asked, their connection was, okay, you're Christians, so, so let's ask you this question. Um, what's the meaning of Christmas? And what an open door. What an open door. And the one person said, we don't celebrate that. Door closed. Can't spread the gospel. See, it's one thing having a, having a conviction, but if your conviction stops you from sh um, sharing the gospel, then you need to reconsider what it is that you believe in. Because God will never give you a conviction that will stop you from sharing a truth that He has put in place. So make sure, if it's a spiritual, if it's a Holy Spirit conviction, by all means, I am... I am not here to convince you to celebrate Christmas. I'm saying that if you have a Holy Spirit conviction, stick to your conviction, but make sure you're not under the law of somebody. On the other hand, if you have been celebrating Christmas with your family and, 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 and you've um, done the sharing of gifts and stuff, then don't let somebody else put a wet blanket over you, but make sure that you are keeping the main thing the main thing by celebrating the birth of Jesus and not making it about something else. So, some people say it's about the date or the song or the origin. If you want more information about that, um, last Tuesday, is it Tuesday? Yeah, they released a podcast where myself and, 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 and Carl Carla was interviewed by Mark Delfay about Christmas. Please listen to that. I'm not going to have time to go into all of that. Nikki's looking at the clock already. So, I would like to encourage you to make this cultural fascination with Christmas, make it work for the gospel. Make it work for the gospel. So, I'm just going to give you a couple of things, just a couple of points of why Christmas the me, why I celebrate Christmas and why it matters to me. So, we don't do 
You'll my kids will never sing, I saw mommy kissing Santa Claus underneath the mistletoe last night. That's not the kind of celebration I'm talking about. I'm talking about remembering what Jesus came to do for us. Because it's, it's of utmost importance in what we believe. Because in this scripture, when we read here, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our own eyes, John is speaking about a personal, first-hand experience of Jesus Christ. The fact that Jesus was alive and on this earth. This is, a, this is him saying, I've seen him, I've touched him, he's real. And that means what that part of scripture highlights is the, the doctrine of the incarnation of our Lord Jesus Christ. The fact that he, as God, yes, God became he took on flesh and became man. He was 100% God, 100% man. God incarnate. I like the, 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 the Christmas carol that says, it's called Hark the Herald Angels Sing. It says, Veiled in flesh the Godhead see, Hail the incarnate deity. It's, it's saying, See God for who God is. Let's not come with, with trivial arguments and miss the point. We had a word earlier, I think it was, it said, we, see, like, we don't see God clearly, it's a bit blur. It's because we, we, see, we look at God through all these arguments. We need to look at God for who He is. And Jesus Christ, His birth, is of utmost importance to what we believe. Because He was born, yes, and and there was no room in the inn, and that was a shame because the inn was the second choice because all Mary and Joseph's family were living in Bethlehem, and they didn't have place for them. And then they had to go to the inn. And you can go and read that and check it out. I'm seeing a couple of people looking at me. They went back to get registered where all the family was. And therefore, all the little boys that were killed when Herod said, kill the boys, were cousins of Jesus. It's family that died. But that's a side issue. Jesus' birth is important. Because he, he was born into this world, God didn't just place him here. He had to be born so he was fully man, so that he could die for our sin. But he had to be fully God, so that he can rise again. And because of his resurrection, and because of him living again, we live. So, the point is, he was born in a cradle. But if you're looking for him in the cradle, you're looking in the wrong place. He's no longer in the cradle. The cradle is empty. I'm sorry, all those Christmas cards with the cradle and the baby in it, cradle is empty. I mean, when you come in and, 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 and to my birthday celebration, you didn't bring me pictures of me. One years old, or a couple of weeks old. Um, I don't think they had cameras back then. But the point is, the cradle was important, but it's empty. The cross was important, but it's empty. The tomb was important, but it's empty. But heaven is filled with His glory. And He's coming again. He's coming for us. And we are looking forward to His coming and we're still trying to sort out His birth. It's about time we get it right. 
So Christmas is important to me because I'm reminded of his incarnation. Secondly, Christmas is important to me because it has a historical authenticity. There's nobody that denies that Jesus was born. It's an historical fact. It is such an important fact when God became man that the whole, our whole calendar changed because of God becoming man. It's an historical fact that nobody could argue about. It is so important that this world changed. Although they will not acknowledge him, although they might not serve Jesus, this world changed because that baby was born. So it's of utmost importance. I mean, if you look at it, people say, but when did they start celebrating Christmas? My guess would be about 60 to 70 years after Jesus' birth at least. Because Jesus was born, Mary is extremely excited about her baby. Surely in those days, I mean, I can see them not being happy or not remembering the day the baby was born. But 60 to 70 years later, the Gospels are being written. And, and we heard the scripture that Nikki quoted. He said that the Word of God, this Bible is God-breathed. And when God breathed, He breathed big portions of scripture of His Son's birth into the Bible. 70, 60 to 70 years after His birth. And now when the church gathers and they read that again, Surely they're reminded again of the birth of Jesus. If you look at what the, that beautiful song that Mary sang, O oh Lord, magnify the Lord with me. They're reminded again fresh by the Holy Spirit through the Word of God that Jesus was real. He was, he, he, he was born and He was raised and He died for us. I can't see that all those, that God made all that, put all that scripture in place. So we can just overlook it because somebody said we shouldn't celebrate. God made time and space for the birth of His Son in His Scripture. It says here um, that there was a reason why uh, Jesus came. And, and, and the question normally is about the tree, isn't it? People have questions about the tree. Can I tell you when, when God planned the birth of his son, he had a tree in mind. He had a tree in mind. And I thank God for that tree. Now, often people, people use the scripture in Jeremiah. It says, yeah, but people cut down trees and then they bow before it. If I catch you bowing before your Christmas tree, you're in trouble. Obviously, it's not the same tree that they're talking about. But please, no bowing before the... Unless you're just picking up and you're old like me and you've got to go down to get your present. <laughs> but here's one of my main, my main things that I'd like to say. I value the celebration of Christmas. And as I celebrate Christmas and I celebrate the birth of Jesus, I mourn for the lost. Because anybody who has celebrated Christmas can't say when he stands before God one day and he asks I didn't know 
Because the world, although, although the world had different ways of celebrating, you can go to anybody and ask them, what is Christmas about? They'll have something about, even if they don't know his name, but they say the baby in, in, in the manger. Now, now the thing is, one day when you stand before God, how will you be able to say, I didn't know your son that came to earth for us. And you've celebrated Christmas for 30, 40 years. So I feel sorry for the lost. And maybe, maybe, maybe if you want to do something on Christmas Day that is impactful, before you pray for the present and hope that it's that gold bracelet that you've been dreaming of, won't you pray for the lost? And ask God to show them the true meaning of His Son coming to this earth and dying for us. The one other thing I'd like to bring to you is this. When the devil tr brought in the argument about should we do Christmas or not, he actually managed to distract us from doing what we were supposed to be doing. Celebrating Jesus, knowing Him, and making Him known. That's our mandate. Knowing Him and making Him known, I think. Sunet said, how can I take something to Hrabo that I don't have? Sometimes we can't take Jesus to the world because we don't have Him. We don't know Him. And our mandate is knowing Him and making Him known. So here's the reason why I think the enemy brought that discussion in. Because the birth of Jesus, the incarnation, is the only thing that truly distinguishes Christianity from any other religion. Other re religions don't talk about their God incarnate. They've either cut him out of wood, or they made him, they created him, or he is an abstract God, or then everything might be God. But they don't have a God incarnate. And if the enemy can get us to get so involved in, in arguing, we forget the value of the fact that God sent His Son to come to this earth, to lay down His life and pay a price that we could never pay, to redeem and reconcile sinful man to a holy God. We forget about that when we have these deep, deep arguments of the date, the time, and the songs we should sing. Let's turn our eyes upon Jesus and look full in His wonderful face. And the things and the arguments of this earth will go strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. And then lastly, when I remember the birth of Jesus, it brings hope. For unto you is born this day a Savior of mankind. When I look at the response of, of the shepherds, they weren't learned people, but they responded correctly. They ran to Jesus, to where He was. When I look at the, the wise men, they, they weren't even... They, they, they were from the east. They were very far away. How much they knew about Jesus, I don't know, but they knew they had to get to Jesus. 
And on the other hand, on the other hand, there were people living five miles from Jesus that didn't bother to find him. Because when the wise men came, wise men came to Herod, they said, we are here to see Jesus, to meet the Savior. He was like, what? Who? And then he called the scribes, he called the Jewish leaders, and he said to them, he said this, he said, where is the Savior, the Messiah, supposed to be born? And they didn't say, what are you talking about? They didn't say, we don't know anything about this. They said, five kilometers away in Bethlehem. That's what they said. They knew exactly the answer. Jesus was going to be born in Bethlehem. And then when these wise men left, Herod said to them, when you, when you find him, come back to me and tell me where he is. And in that, I just want to tell you this. Not everybody that's seeking Jesus wants to worship him. Herod wanted to kill him. That's why I wanted to know. Some people might come with, with talks about Jesus and arguments, but not because they want to worship him. They want to kill even the very thought of who Jesus is. And it says, the sad part is, it says that after they left, the scribes and, and the leaders went to their homes. They never, never considered walking the five miles to find Jesus for themselves. So, this Christmas, I'm going to ask you, make the effort to find Jesus for yourself. Don't get involved in all the peripheral stuff, all the peripheral arguments. You know what? Somebody might ask you, why, why, then why bother giving presents? It's lacking to bless people. Just bless them. Listen, and I want to, I want to break the ice here. Ah, my birthday is next year, the 19th of June. I'll be 60. And you don't have to wait till then to give me presents. Let's break that myth. <laughs> There's nothing wrong in blessing people. But, but when you're still paying next Christmas on this Christmas's presents, then you, then you need to watch a finance stewardship teaching coming on Wednesday. The point is, the point is, and I wrote it down here because it's, to me, this is the heart of the matter. Make the cultural fascination with Christmas work for the sake of the gospel. Amen.